If you're enjoying Bradbury 100, please check out my other podcast, Science Fiction 101, in which we explore the past, present and future of science fiction. Find it at 101sf.blogspot.com and head over to YouTube to find my Bradbury 101 series, in which I look at Ray's books and movies. This is Bradbury 100, celebrating the life and work of American writer Ray Bradbury. I'm Phil Nichols of bradburymedia.co.uk. Welcome to Bradbury 100. In this episode, we're going to take a look at the Martian Chronicles that never was. Screenplays by Ray Bradbury that were never filmed. Now, if you're a fan of Bradbury, you'll know that The Martian Chronicles was published in 1950 and was a very successful science fiction book, or fantasy book, as Ray insisted on calling it. And you may also remember a miniseries in 1980 on TV starring Rock Hudson. Now, Ray didn't write the script for that, although I don't think there's anything wrong with the script for the 1980 miniseries. It was written by Richard Matheson. It's quite a faithful adaptation of the book. It takes some liberties, but it also makes some very imaginative alterations, which allow the narrative to have much more coherence than the book. That's not to criticise the book, but the book is really a collection of short stories linked together. And Bradbury himself said it's not a novel, it's half-cousin to a novel. What Richard Matheson did in his TV script was find ways of making the connections between the stories much more built-in. For example, instead of having a series of space captains in different chapters, Matheson tends to focus on one captain who recurs throughout the whole piece. But that was 1980. So what happened in the 30 years between Bradbury publishing his book and the TV miniseries coming out? It's an amazing story, a story of some creative screenwriting being rejected time and time again. When I was working on my PhD thesis, which I completed in 2017, I tracked the development of multiple scripts for The Martian Chronicles, and it was something that nobody had done before. There'd been a number of articles that had mentioned The Martian Chronicles films over the years, but nobody had systematically gone through the surviving script materials. Many of these materials are held nowadays in the Centre for Ray Bradbury Studies, and by digging through the archives, which I was given permission to do, I was able to pin down precisely how many attempts there had been to get the film of The Martian Chronicles made. In 1950, when The Martian Chronicles came out as a book, several chapters of the book were adapted for radio. Well, actually, the radio series Dimension X was really adapting the original short stories that had appeared in magazines, and we know that they were adapting the original from the titles. So most famously, they adapted Mars is Heaven, which is the original magazine story title for what became the third expedition in the book. Dimension X adapted There Will Come Soft Rains, Mars is Heaven, and The Moon Be Still as Bright, 
and they also did an episode called The Martian Chronicles, which miraculously manages to cram the entire book into a half-hour episode. Now, of course, in 1950, television was not the dominant medium. Most people were getting their home entertainment from radio. This would change very quickly. Between about 1950 and 1955, audiences for radio programming in the United States shifted rapidly to television. And by the end of the 1950s, most of the creative work that once found a home on radio was now finding a home on television. And radio was becoming just a medium for music, news and sport, and weather forecasts. But Ray's stories from the Martian Chronicles were able to sneak in there in that final flourish of Golden Age radio. And that would have given his book a significant boost. At the same time that the Martian Chronicles was in bookshops, stories from it were appearing almost on a monthly basis on NBC Radio's Dimension X. Today we might talk in terms of this as being an IP, uh, intellectual property. And in fact, we would call it a multimedia IP. It had a life in magazines, in books, and on radio. And in 1957, it nearly made it to TV. Bradbury put together a proposal called Report from Space, and this was to be a 39-episode TV series. He teamed up with Kirk Douglas's production company, and their contract put together in 1958 called for them to come up with something and sell it to television networks by the 25th of March, 1959. Unfortunately, the completion date came and went, Ray wrote his pilot script, but nothing was shot. Now, in September 1959, purely coincidentally, there was a TV series called Men Into Space, and this was produced by Ziv and was broadcast by CBS, and there were 38 episodes of that. But just imagine, if Bradbury's report from space had gone into production in early 1959, it would have gone on air in September 59, and there would have been two space series on TV, each lasting about 39 episodes. Imagine how differently television science fiction might have played out had Report from Space gone on the air. You would have had Men into Space on one network, you would have had Bradbury's Report from Space possibly on the same network, more likely on a different network, and the future would have been very different. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. So, in late 1959, Ray decided to develop his report from space idea for film, and he approached producer Julian Blaustein. Blaustein was known for his science fiction classic The Day the Earth Stood Still, 1951, a film which Ray very much admired. And in 1959, Blaustein was at MGM, which had also made Forbidden Planet, one of the great science fiction films of the 1950s. So this combination of Bradbury, MGM, Blaustein, all of that makes perfect sense for making a good science fiction film in the late 1950s. Well, Ray spent a year working on the script. He turned in his script around the beginning of 1961, turned in his revisions in February 1961, and then the project died. According to Bradbury, Blaustein was just too busy with other projects to progress the Martian Chronicles. 
A year later, Bradbury asked Blaustein whether he was still interested in the Martian Chronicles, because he was already circulating his proposal for the Martian Chronicles to some other major filmmakers. Listen to this list. David Lean, Akira Kurosawa, Carol Reed, Jack Clayton. Blaustein said he was still interested, but he effectively withdrew from any further development. Now, this screenplay from 1961 has never been published. There are bound studio copies of the script in existence, so this isn't just a writer writing something on spec and hoping for the best. This was a film written under contract and owned by the studio. But that script has never been published. Now cut to the 2000s, and there comes a book called The Martian Chronicles, The Complete Edition. And this was a limited edition volume, and very expensive, and there was a a bit of a troubled publication history behind it, but that's a story for another day. But in that book, there is the whole text of the Martian Chronicles book, plus a bunch of other Martian stories by Ray, plus two screenplays by Ray. And the reader would be forgiven for thinking that Ray wrote two screenplays for the Martian Chronicles. But no, he didn't. He wrote more than two. You see, the 1961 screenplay wasn't included in that book. Anyway, the script exists, it hasn't been lost, but neither was it filmed, nor was it ever published. In 1963, Ray takes bids from other potential producers for the Martian Chronicles, and he chooses to proceed with Alan J. Pacula and Robert Mulligan, the producer-director pair whose adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird he greatly admired. That came out in 1962. So how's this for a dream team? Ray Bradbury, screenwriter... Pacula and Mulligan, producer and director. Gregory Peck as star. Gregory Peck, hot off to kill a mockingbird. This looks like a dream project. And Universal liked it, and apparently agreed to finance it to the tune of $10 million. Now, if you run that through an inflation calculator, that turns out as something like $92 million today. This would have been a very big movie and Ray claimed that it would have been the most expensive film ever made up until that point. He spent two years working on the script, finishing in April 1965, and then he handed the script in, and he gloomily, but accurately, predicted that Universal would reject the screenplay. And Universal did indeed reject the screenplay. Now we know that it was rejected, What we don't know is why. Film studios are not very forthcoming with that sort of information, and I haven't been able to uncover anything definitive. According to Ray, the potential expense is what killed it. According to Pacula's biographer, Bradbury became more interested in other projects, which sounds unlikely to me. Ray was immensely enthusiastic for this project. And Jonathan Eller, the biographer of Ray Bradbury, had speculated that Universal might have been expecting another terror film from Ray, along the lines of It Came From Outer Space, which he had written for Universal in 1952. Anyway, this 1965 Martian Chronicles script has been published, and it is included in the Martian Chronicles Complete Edition. Again, just imagine for a moment how the history of science fiction film may have played out differently if this film had gone into production. We're talking 1965, 
Stanley Kubrick is already working on 2001 A Space Odyssey in the UK, while in Hollywood, Bradbury teams up with Pacula, Mulligan and Gregory Peck on the biggest budget film of all time. This would have been a game changer, but it didn't happen. Now we get to a period of quiet in the development of the Martian Chronicles. Ray didn't return to it until the 1970s, and this time with a stage adaptation, which was first mounted at the Colony Theatre in Los Angeles in 1977, directed by Terence Schrank. Ray's reasons for creating a stage play were very simple. He said, Various students wrote to tell me that they had declaimed scenes from my Martian stories in class. Others had acted them on high school stages or in college drama meetings. I decided to learn from my young teachers. If they could adapt me, so could I. 1977 was a big year for science fiction. That's the year Star Wars came out. Star Wars was a game changer. If you look at any history of science fiction film published before Star Wars, you'll find they mostly talk about the Metropolis from the 1920s, the classics of the 1950s. Maybe they will culminate with 1968, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Planet of the Apes, all of that. They kind of present science fiction as having somehow peaked and then plateaued around the late 60s, early 70s as if there's not much more that science fiction could possibly do in film. But if you look at any book on science fiction film published since then, you'll find that there was a huge burst of activity following the release of Star Wars. Star Wars was such a huge box office hit, and it was followed in very rapid succession by the huge hit of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that Hollywood was falling over itself trying to get science fiction projects on screen. Every studio in Hollywood wanted its own Star Wars. Disney put out The Black Hole. Paramount eventually put out Star Trek The Motion Picture. In the same year that Star Wars was doing huge business on screen, 1977, Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles is doing great business in a small theatre in Los Angeles. But the posters for the play were all over Hollywood. It comes as no surprise, then, that Hollywood would be interested again in the Martian Chronicles. So, Bradbury contracted with a producer, Charles Fries, for a TV miniseries. His contract didn't require him to write the script, and in fact he didn't really want to write the script for a miniseries, but it did include provision for him to serve as a consultant. And as I mentioned earlier, Richard Matheson was secured to write the teleplay. Ray provided the producers with a list of potential directors, maybe 20 or 30 names on the list, Ray knew every film director ever. Not necessarily personally, but he was a huge film buff. He was the originator and one of the coordinators of the Writers Guild Film Screenings, which was his attempt to get Hollywood screenwriters to watch films from around the world. And of course, Ray claimed to have seen every film ever made. So he gives the producers a list of possible directors, maybe 20 or 30 names. Near the bottom of the list is Michael Anderson, best known for, well, The Dam Busters, 1955, Around the World in 80 Days, 1956. And in science fictional terms, he directed the 1950s film version of 1984. And his most recent science fiction film was Logan's Run, 1976. 
Logan's Run was a pre-Star Wars science fiction film. You can tell when you look at Logan's Run, you can see that the visual effects look very old-fashioned compared to Star Wars. They look very cheap. And that's because Star Wars had pioneered whole new methods of doing visual effects. Logan's Run had none of the benefits of that technology because it was made before Star Wars. Anyway, Michael Anderson, director of Logan's Run, becomes the director of the Martian Chronicles miniseries. This is a director really at the end of his career, a director whose greatest hits were not that great, frankly. And here he is working on a TV miniseries, which inevitably has a much lower budget than any film he would have worked on. The miniseries itself is, as Ray said, boring. So that's the end, right? The Martian Chronicles made for TV in 1980, and it's never heard of again. Well, no. In 1997, Ray finished another screenplay. He was 76 years old at this point, and he wrote this new screenplay for Universal, and he spent a year working with the producers Lauren Weissman, Gerald Nolan, John Philip Dayton and Dwayne Poole on multiple drafts. Eventually another writer, Michael Covert, was brought in to rewrite Bradbury's script, and this one was abandoned. But Ray's version of the screenplay, the 1997 second draft screenplay, was also published. And that's the other Martian Chronicles screenplay you'll find in that book, the complete edition. And that's where the Martian Chronicles stays to this day. Over the years, there have been various announcements that different studios have taken options on it, that various producers and directors were considering working on it. But nothing has come of it as yet. Maybe one day it will return. But what about Ray's screenplay versions? Why on earth did he write so many scripts? And were they really that different? Well, he wrote so many because I think he was an unstoppable rewriter. As we've talked about before on the podcast, Ray was primarily a short story writer, but he knew that by stitching his short stories together, he could make novels. The Martian Chronicles, Dandelion Wine, From the Dust Returned... This was the way he worked, stitching together short pieces with new material to make a better, bigger whole, rewriting them a bit in the process. And then he always fancied turning them into screenplays because he was also a screenwriter. So every one of his works went through this almost endless process of rewriting. But let's compare the different versions of the Martian Chronicles that Ray wrote. In the book, there is no central protagonist. There is a captain called Wilder, but he's just one of several captains. He's the leader of the first successful mission to conquer Mars. In Ray's screenplays, that changes. In his 1961 screenplay, he makes Captain Wilder the central character. So he effectively abandons the series of space captains in the book and merges them into one. So Wilder remains all the way through the story in the script. And Bradbury retained that idea for every version of the Martian Chronicles that he wrote afterwards. The Pacula Mulligan screenplay that he finished in 1965 also has Wilder as the central character. His stage play has Wilder as a central character. And his 1997 screenplay also has Wilder as a central character. And you know what? Richard Matheson's TV miniseries does the same thing. And it seems fairly certain, although I haven't been able to prove this, that Matheson took that position with his adaptation precisely because 
Bradbury had done it previously. There are some other moments in the miniseries that strongly suggest that Bradbury had influence on Matheson's script, even though Bradbury didn't write the script. In terms of the structure of the Martian Chronicles, well, the book is episodic. It's really a collection of short stories. It's stitched together as this long, sprawling story that covers decades and focuses on different characters at different times. That's not a great structure for a standard Hollywood film, although it would make a decent structure for a TV series. What Ray does in his 1961 screenplay is he uses some of those episodes almost as a backdrop, but he builds a new story for Wilder. So Wilder becomes the central character and has his own personal story, which is completely new, and that story weaves its way against the backdrop of episodes chosen from the book. And Ray does a similar thing in the 1965 screenplay, and then he retains that for his stage play and his 1997 script. And what about the ending of The Martian Chronicles? You may recall the ending of the book, spoiler alert, is essentially that Earth people realise that they are the Martians now. Well, that's not the ending in Ray's first screenplay, because Ray makes Captain Wilder the central character with his own new story, and the ending of that screenplay has Wilder doing three things. He manages to achieve control over his destiny, he manages to lose his marriage, and he manages to gain his dreams. So the resolution of the 1961 screenplay is the resolution of Wilder's personal story, not the resolution of the book. For his 65 screenplay, again, a different ending. Bradbury has Wilder personally achieving his dream of leading humankind beyond Mars, taking them out to the stars. And although this seeding of the stars is successful, Wilder himself dies. So again, a different climax to the one in the book. And for his 86 stage play, Ray reverted to the book, because his aim and ambition for the stage play was for it to be a very straightforward adaptation of the book, not to be a new development from it. And so the ending of the stage play is that Earth people realise they are now the Martians. And Ray does the same thing again in his 97 screenplay. What's most interesting about these screenplay versions of The Martian Chronicles is, yes, we see Ray adapting some of his familiar stories and throwing in some flights of fancy along the way, but he also develops a whole new mythology, really, which is barely there in the original book. And we see this most strongly in the 65 screenplay, where Wilder leads humanity beyond Mars. So it's clear that Ray saw Mars as being somewhere we could go to save ourselves, but that was not the end. That's merely a stepping off point. And that to really save ourselves, well, we have to be able to get out of the solar system. We need to be able to escape a potentially dying star for our species to have any kind of longevity or immortality. We have to get away and go somewhere else. Better still, seed the stars. So spread humanity out amongst the stars in order that we can live forever. Kind of creating our own species backup, if you like. So that's the story of how the Martian Chronicles did and didn't make it to the screen. 
There are so many opportunities here for Bradbury's screenplays to have made a big difference in the history of science fiction film or television, and yet it didn't happen. And in case you're thinking, well, therefore Ray can't have been a very good screenwriter, let me remind you of something. The vast majority of scripts in Hollywood are not filmed. Estimates vary, but various people, such as the script guru Sid Field, have suggested that maybe one script out of a hundred gets developed. Ideas, it seems, are plentiful, but Hollywood is very picky and very fickle about what it's willing to spend money on. Having read all of Ray's Martian Chronicle screenplays, I can tell you that any one of them could have made a decent film, with a bit of development and a bit of funding and with a good director. But unfortunately, those screenplays remain among the best films never made. I hope you enjoyed listening to this history of the Martian Chronicles on or off screen. If you want to find out more, please check out my website, bradburymedia.co.uk, and also maybe check out my YouTube series, Bradbury 101, which includes episodes on the Martian Chronicles. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Bradbury 100 is presented and produced by Phil Nichols. Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. Please subscribe using your podcast app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and all good podcast places. And please also check out my YouTube series, Bradbury 101, and my other audio podcast, Science Fiction 101. For information on all of these, head to bradburymedia.co.uk.